0: What's up, Yukimedia Family? Vladimir Pragnevsky here, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Yikromedia Podcast, where I serve a Yukimedia family with weekly interviews from highly creative people. And today's guest is Robert Ranitsky. And I hope I didn't butcher his name, but Robert is a freelance designer based in Munich, Germany. His focus is on motion graphics design and animation. His projects range from showroom trailers to film projects and opening titles. You may know Robert from his presentations and lectures at Adobe Creative Days, IBC, Adobe Max, Maxon and others. Rob, welcome to the show and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Hey,
1: um, hi Vladimir. Thank you for, for having me first of all and and thank you for everything you do with the wonderful creative community out there. My pleasure. So it's man. it's really uh, a blessing and uh, I'm, I'm very happy to, to be part of the show. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, so what do people don't know about me that much? Um, I guess, and I'm outing myself here, I have <laughs> probably more shoes than my girlfriend, than my partner.
0: <laughs> what kind of shoes?
1: Unfortunately, basketball sneakers, uh, mostly Air Jordans. Ah. Uh, I'm a huge basketball fan. I play basketball as well. Uh, I used to play more in the past, but um, I'm not a crazy sneakerhead, um, so the real sneaker is gonna probably laugh at me for only having about forty or fifty pairs. I'm not sure. Jeez, I don't um, think I've owned that
0: many in my entire life. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um yeah, that's um that's a it's a passion. I mean, um I just I just love these shoes. I like the design and um mm, what they mean okay. to me uh as as um as not just as shoes, but as as a as a pop cultural phenomenon, as well as to what basketball did and, and meant and still means to me.
0: Interesting. You know, you're from Europe. And it seems like like everyone that I interview from Europe, from London, I always expect them to like soccer, right? Or football, as we call it when mm-hmm. I live in Europe, right? But you're a basketball fan. Other people, they don't, they don't even watch sports. So I'm curious, why basketball over soccer?
1: Well, I, I really, I can't play soccer. I'm not good with, with my feet. You know, I can't dance as well. Um, I am enthusiastic, but I can't dance really. <laughs> so, um, well, it was, I used to be a swimmer and a water polo player uh, back in the oh, days. Wow. My dad um, used to be a swimmer and a water polo player as well. So I started out with that. But then after, I think uh, I was in the 92 with the Olympics and the Dream Team, i saw them play and i was like hang on that's that's pretty awesome this this game Hmm. with the orange ball and the and the hoop right and um it was my dad who who gave me my first basketball and um i just it was like love at first sight it was i was completely taken by the game it was in puberty when when i transitioned from swimmer to to basketball player so i was struggling with school and everything and um Matter of fact, I was so bad at school that there was one teacher that I should. Uh, who t- he talked to my parents and he said, Well, maybe you should take Robert off school because he's not going to make it in school and he, his, his grades are too bad. And um, I read a book um, from Michael Jordan and he was cut from his, from his high school team, um, as some people might know. And um, that was kind of inspiring to me, like knowing that the best basketball player that ever was, was cut from his original high school team. And so he said, you know what, screw that. I'm going to prove to everyone that I can do better. And, and I kind of did the same thing in terms of um, school, for example. You know, I, I didn't do that with basketball. I mean, I, I did play basketball. I do play basketball still. But as, as a metaphor, as more of like a, like a symbol of, of how, how people turn weaknesses into, into strength and, and take as a motivation like a denial take it as a motivation to show the world like hang on wait now you watch and i did that with school and i said yeah you know what you want to take me off school i'm going to show you so um i finished school and i uh, didn't have great grades but i had good grades um so uh so that was that was like a, a big thing for me and also with all the, the 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 troubles you have in puberty whenever i was on the basketball court everything was like a like a clean slate um there wow. was nothing else just the hoop uh, your teammates the ball um you and and that's it there was no i don't know no bad love no no right. no mistakes no um no issues in life or whatever you're going through it was just basketball and and that's it and and after that I always felt like like rinsed you know like wow okay so here we go I'm I'm ready for the day or ready for the night or for whatever so um that's that's why it's it's important and also i couldn't afford like those expensive jordan shoes back in the days not that i can i kind of uh you know getting it back up uh whatever i missed in terms of shoes so i getting all those jordan <laughs> retros and stuff like that so that's why that's story, why wow. that's why it means means to me a lot
0: yeah wow have you been to a real nba game in the states yes yes
1: um i've been to the uh to a knicks game i saw the knicks play the denver nuggets that was back with nice. Carmel Anthony. Uh, that was in twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve it was. Yeah. what, what was that? Like? It was to be honest, it was I was a little bit because. how come I was well, I mean, it was it was an okay game, but the whole atmosphere it was Isn't I not thought what you it expected? was much much wilder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our club here, they play with six and a half thousand people in a, in a stadium that is that is okay for the size of people. But you got the soccer people. fans
0: kind of at a atmosphere, right?
1: That, as well as I mean, since the size is smaller um, physically, uh, it's it's much louder and the atmosphere is much more crazier. And in Madison Square Garden, I don't know, I think eighteen or twenty thousand people, it's um, it's different. You know, there's there's more echo and it's kind of like it's more like an ambient cheering instead of like full on in the middle of it. But I was sitting, I was uh, sitting pretty pretty uh, high. So I don't know, maybe that was the reason, but it was not as crazy as I expected it, but it wasn't playoffs either. So uh, I don't know, maybe it's different.
0: Well, and that's interesting. Something about, you know, I've been in America for 18 years now and, uh, you know, I come from a European soccer culture where, I I mean, I was a huge Dynamo Kiev fan. So I grew up Mm -hmm. going to their stadium and their stadiums were never filled, but the crowd was always crazy. And I remember when I went to a big game here, it was an American football game. And I think there were like 120,000 people in attendance, huge stadium. And I remember I was like on the phone and it was getting loud about to kick off and it was getting super, super loud. Then they kick off and everybody sits down. It's quiet and you can have a conversation with your neighbor. I just remember thinking like, wow, okay, that's not what I expected. I thought it was going to be like everybody on their feet the whole game and just like jumping up and down. You can't hear anything. I'm sure it happens during finals, but it's not like it is European culture. So anyway, I was disappointed with that. So when you said that, it kind of reminded me of my, my experience, my culture here in America.
1: But I guess I guess it's also different because I saw you you two play soccer as well a lot, and then I think maybe it's the same for if you're watching soccer or football. When I watch a basketball game, I don't really watch it as much as a fan, but more as someone that plays it, you mm. know, himself mm-hmm. as well. So looking at okay, how how does the jump shot look like? What was the move? What was tactic wise the situation? It's it's more like I'm very into it, like uh, like almost study it in terms of. Just watch it as a pure entertainment. So it's a mix. Sometimes it's just pure entertainment, but sometimes it's like, okay, so how did you do that? How did you do this?
0: Gotcha. You know, so, Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. You and Sergey, you guys met at IBC in Amsterdam, right? It was yep. uh gosh, that's uh, correct. Several months ago. And and it, since then you bumped into or Sergei bumped into you at Adobe Max, and Sergey just kept telling me, he's like, Man, Rob is everywhere, this guy, man. He, we need to get him on the show. <laughs> and so I was like, man, let's 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 do it. And then I saw your interview with Chris Joe, and that was awesome, man. So you truly are everywhere. you're you. like the wind, man. You wear many hats. So I'm very yeah, excited to you. have you on. And I'm curious, how did it all start from you, man? Where, tell us from the very beginning, man, how did you get into motion graphics and animation?
1: well it's it's um first of all, thank you again for the kind words. I, I do appreciate it the The whole outpouring, everything is is just wonderful to hear. I try to be as humble as I can and I just, I'm just overwhelmed by, by all the positiveness. So it's good to see and good to hear that there's uh, a lot of love. So how did I get started? Well, I I always drew as as a kid. I started drawing, I don't know, at four or five years old. My mom and my grandma are both artists and my dad and my uncle are both more on the technical side of things, electro technicians, um, physicists and so on. And and, then, and I'm kind of a merger of, of the two, so half half nerd, half artist, <laughs> which isn't the bad combination, I guess, for the motion graphics right. uh, part, uh, part of me. Um, so, But I didn't know until until pretty late when I was studying design that it's going to be motion graphics, so I always drew, I always built costumes. Uh, I, I love I still love Star Wars. I built Star Wars costumes out of paper helmets wow. and... Uh, <laughs> Like full body armor, uh, stuff like that, and um, for example, like Star Wars was like one of the huge inspirations to get creative. Like seeing seeing a world that doesn't exist, things that are created in a computer or before then, from different toys, like scrapping different toys together to to form a spaceship and and having blue screen, green screens, and so on to actually fake the impression. That was that was something that that has such an impact on me, like. Oh my God! I want, I want, I want to create. I want to create worlds, or I want to just create something that doesn't exist, like blank sheet of paper, and all of a sudden you have something that wasn't there before. It didn't manifest in terms of like okay, films or animation or 3D because I didn't understand that back then. I just, just wanted to recreate. So I built Legos, I built spaceships, everything, literally. So I, I pretty much soon knew it's going to be something creative. So I started out with logo designs scribbling drawing doing caricatures funny funny drawings in school started doing layouts for the school newspaper as you would call it i think or the school magazine um, so back then with PageMaker maker and, and these kind of tools so i, I learned oh, yeah. pretty pretty soon uh, when in school i think at the age of 17 or 18 which was very which was not really common back then but now even 12 years old are probably better in after effects than i am but back then as an 18 year old, it was it was rare to have uh, like a proper computer and uh, like all the tools and everything to to do that stuff. So that's that's how I started with doing layouts and, and print design, basically. Worked in a t-shirt copy shop, doing really, really crappy logos for different little brands or different little sports clubs and stuff like that. So it wasn't until I started my design studies in Mannheim uh, that's where I started communication design so it started with the traditional okay you draw a lot you you have to do all the typography classes photography of course video and film and, and as, a, as a web web design as well so that was part of it and um, so I always wanted to design anything that that I like so whatever came up I was like oh yeah let, let me do web design let me do this. So back then, I still thought I'd be able to do everything. So after a while, I figured out, obviously, you can't do everything because it's just <laughs> way too complicated. But that little right. myself that was naive enough to believe uh, everything can be done um, said, oh, yeah, let's take on Flash. And um started so to play around it's... with Flash and everything. And at the same time, um, actually, I think even before studies, I went to to a design conference or photo conference. I'm not sure. I think it was Photokina. And I saw the Adobe booth and I saw a guy whose name is Steve Holmes, who was like a mentor for me. Um, He used to be a demo artist for Adobe. He still still works as a designer doing motion graphics and web design. And he gave a demo with After Effects 4, I think, back then, doing flying spaceships, explosions, that kind of stuff back then. Uh, Imagine that. So I saw that and I was completely blown away. I approached him and asked him like hey, um that's awesome how how can I do stuff like that? So we kind of connected and stayed friends um to this very day and uh he kind of mentored me a little bit here and there, and I always uh strived um, to to do stuff like that to be able to do something so quickly and so nicely that you'll be able to to demo it and um and again, I think a year later I started um studying design and then like the things that I said before, like with web design and everything i flash like the first movement happened, I was like, okay, hang on, Something, something's animated. There's sound and there's the whole element of time and animation and everything together has a much stronger emotional component than just a simple photo or a simple page layout. And then um, then I took on After Effects. Um, although I heard about it, I, I was afraid of using it because I thought, oh my God, this is like such a complicated tool. I'll never be able to learn it. Although thinking I will be able to learn, so that was like a mixture of anxiety and and respect,, uh, but at the same time, the motivation was there. So uh, that's that's how I started with uh, with animation and motion graphics. And um, more and more towards the end of the study, i I figured uh, that's that's what I want to do. Um, well it was good to have all the basics laid out in terms of typography and photography and sketching and everything. but Really, what made my heart beat faster was was really motion graphics and everything that is animated.
0: How long did it take you to learn After Effects?
1: Well, what do you mean, like learn? I'm still learning it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know? that's, a, that's a terrible um, question. You're right. Well, when when did you no, feel I mean, comfortable? You feel like well, you know what? I feel like I can teach people this stuff.
1: I think. Um, well, here's the thing. I didn't. I didn't mention this uh, when after after I met Steve. The next conference, like a couple of months later. I was, again, at the Adobe booth. Someone had some issues um, not knowing how to do this and that, and I helped him out. And someone from Adobe noticed that. There's like this, I don't know, 20-year-old kid that's that's helping out someone, and how come he knows so much about Photoshop? And um, so they asked me if I want to be doing uh, freelance demos, like a demo artist for Adobe. And I was like, holy, what? Oh, like wow. half a year ago, I was just imagining... Being on stage and and showing stuff to people and then literally like half a year later they asked me to come on board because they were looking for for talents that can show the program to people but also know how to use it so it was um it was a funny coincidence like a serendipity moment um so i got on board with adobe they they took me on after making some after passing some tests they said, yeah, well, welcome on board. So I, I kind of had to learn the tools better to be able to present them to an audience. At the same time, I wanted to learn them to be able to be a better designer, right? So it was a mix of having to do it and wanting to do it. And um, to answer the question in a short way, how many years or how, how much time it took to learn After Effects, I'm not really sure because it was an ongoing process and it was right. way, way more difficult Back then, without uh, YouTube and like all the fantastic tutorials like Andrew's doing and so on, so it was it was like I had to learn from books and from guys like Steve and so on. So it was um, probably maybe two years or so I would say, so that I'm really comfortable. Maybe maybe less. I knew Photoshop quite well, so it was uh, a easier transition, you know, because for me it was always like Photoshop with with the timeline. But uh, yeah, something between a year and a t- two years, maybe.
0: No, that's awesome. I also think it's awesome that you had a a mentor, somebody who mentored you through this process. And, you know, I, I think that teaching something like if you can't teach something you don't understand. So in order to teach something, you truly have to understand it. So in a way, teaching speeds up growth. And I feel like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what contributed to your growth so fast because you, you were able to teach so early on. Was that your first gig or did you work somewhere else first?
1: Um, in terms of presenting, yeah, the, the whole Adobe thing was my, my first experience as teaching, showing things to, to others. I was always shy, kind of got rid of that. Um, but usually I was, I was a very shy person and, um, this kind of forced me to, to let go of, of being shy because basically I had to, you know, I couldn't be shy, you know? And, and I remember before giving like a proper presentation, it mostly was one-on-one, but like before my first presentation I was like, I was freaking out. So in, in, in fact, it, was, it wasn't until I think three years or four years into being a freelance demo artist that I presented in front of, I think my first presentation was in front of four or 500 people, I think in Bratislava that was. And um, I remember the the guy, Peter Engrup he now works at Apple. Um, he was like a fantastic demo guy. I mean, he was giving presentations like close to Steve Jobs' quality you know like funny and witty and technically savvy and like unbelievable and i learned a lot from him in terms of how to how to present and and what kind of mood you have to have and what jokes to pull and and um, he asked me like once like hey do you want to present there there's an opportunity in i don't know where and i was like yeah well yeah well you know actually i don't have time i have to do this and Truth is, I had time. I was just scared, huh? scared shitless, <laughs> you know? I was like, fuck. Um, so a couple of weeks later, he asked me again, like, hey, there's another event coming up. People want to see After Effects and Premiere. Are you in? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, bring it in. And um, I was so scared. So I, I sat down and, and I think prepared the demo for two weeks or something and then went on stage. And, and it just worked. People loved it. People were clapping and giving good feedback, and and this kind of broke the ice for me. It was kind of like okay. After that, I was like, all right, let's bring it on. And that's um, that's how I've, how I became comfortable with public speaking.
0: Do you still get nervous before hopping on stage to do presentations?
1: That's a good question. I I do. I didn't do. Uh, I didn't get nervous once, and I screwed up. So mm, uh, I was that was on a that was on a tour. And I was like, yeah, you know, getting getting comfortable and kind of. You know, like, oh, well, I've, I've done this before. What can, what can possibly go wrong? And then <laughs> I think I didn't reset a file or two. So it was like in, a, like in an end stadium instead of prepped to be able to to start showing something. So it was actually done already. And I could undo because the file was saved like that and I didn't Ooh, reset it. Ouch. And um, I don't know, one or two other things didn't go as, as planned. I mean, it wasn't a disaster. But for me, knowing what it should have been, it was... It was right. Like pretty bad and after that i was like okay so i'm never gonna rely on just things working out and always keep that little piece of nervousness inside of me because oh, it's it makes healthy you, for you makes you yeah yeah you know the attention level and the, the focus level is, is is much higher if you're a little bit nervous
0: have you ever blanked out on stage where you got up and your presentation sat right down anything like that happened
1: uh, yeah, it did. And usually what I what I do then is just be natural. I just say like, oh yeah, what was it? And, and what do I press? And sometimes I forget, like, if, if there's a feature you're showing and you haven't used that feature, and it's just like this tiny little button and it's something you know how to do, but you don't do it regularly. And you're like, okay, hang on, what do I need to push to get this again? <laughs> and then I just asked the crowd like okay hang on I mean you guys are pros like which is the button come on help me out here so I'm kind of <laughs> oh, that's, I'm kind that's of good. make Smart. make the make the, the, the mistake uh, as a feature you know I kind of like um, integrate the the audience and
0: yeah it became like um, a teamwork kind of collaboration
1: Exactly yeah I don't make a big deal out of it I mean one of the things I learned in presentations is not to not to point out mistakes mm, um not, as not mistakes to panic. <laughs> Yeah, because no one will know. But I mean, there's there's those types of situations where it's pretty obvious that you're doing a mistake or you don't know what to do, and that's then when I say like, hey, you know, let's uh, let's crowdsource this answer to this question. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's always always worked out. So I just try to be natural, and obviously, it has to be something I know. I know what I'm talking about. You know, I couldn't I couldn't do this with, I don't know, a fridge or a microwave. So hey, what are the features of the microwave? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Now, what advice would you give give to someone who, let's say, wants to do presentations but is nervous? Is there any kind of tips or advice that you can tell someone in preparation how they can get rid of those nerves? Not entirely, I understand, but but to to feel more comfortable about it.
1: I know what you mean. Um, Well, one of the things is, is just having peace of mind in terms of knowing what you're talking about. And most of the presentations for the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight years in my career have been not about software tools in terms of hey let's show me the new features of after effects but it's more like showing my own work so as it is my own work i know everything about it mostly if i work with someone else together which i do a lot then i will uh, talk to those people if i first of all can't share their insights or their their part of whatever they did so i know about what i'm going to talk so as soon as you know what you're going to talk about uh, that gives you peace of mind because no one else knows that. So no one else can really correct you because it's my little backstories of why the idea came to do this and why I did it this way and not that way. So that helps a lot. If it's something that you are not really familiar with, for example, if you, like for example, in school, you have a topic you have to talk about, you have to present the history of, I don't know, the United States, for example, you know, how did it all happen, you know, how it was discovered, et cetera. I mean, this this is stuff you have to learn. So, how can you do that? Well, you have to actually learn it and and you know try it, present it in in front of a mirror, or in front of friends. As weird as it sounds, I do that as well. If it's an important presentation or a keynote, I have to give. I just usually set up my laptop in our living room. I present it to my girl and ask her, like, "Hey, so how how did you like it? Uh, you know, I mean, she's a she's a harsh critic, so she's honest <laughs> with me. She says, "Well, that was good and that was bad. I didn't understand this, I understand that." And when you present it after you've practice and learned it if you like simulate the real real scenario you will find the areas where you still need to polish things up or if you're too fast or too slow and um and you and you rinse and repeat and you do that once twice maybe three times as long as as long as it takes until you feel comfortable so feeling comfortable is like the key to present Um, like the worst thing that can happen is being uncomfortable not necessarily because of the people that are going to watch but because of knowing deep down in your, in your, in your head, like, oh shit, I, didn't, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. But as, as long as you know what it's going to be, you should be fine.
0: No, that's great advice. And for me, you know, for a lot of people it's different things. But for me, man, just that first 10 seconds connecting with the crowd, that's, that's crucial for me. Like if you say a joke or some, start with some kind of emotion. And for mm-hmm. me, like if you get that feedback, that little laughter, that kind of calms me down and I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, you know what I do? What, what do you do? I always say hello or servus or uh, if I can speak the native language, then then I do that in their language. But I usually always say hello in some way and then I wait. And then I look into the faces of the people and they're, they're like, what the, why Why is he not saying nothing? So I say <laughs> hello again. And then like they go like, oh, he's saying hi. Maybe I should, maybe I should say hi back. So, so they go like, the hey... <laughs> and then are like, all right, come on, man. I mean, you guys can do better. And everyone's like, hi. Hey! And then uh, yeah. that's like everyone's laughing and this kind of breaks the ice and takes a lot of tension. I, mm. I, I do it for, for both ways. I do it for the audience as well as for myself. You know, that's true. Trust
0: builds you. on both. Like they're like, oh, this Rob guy is pretty funny. Oh, he's a cool yeah, guy. Exactly. So now they, exactly. they relax, you relax, and you're both ready to, to roll. So for me, that was important. Like how you perform the first 10, 15 seconds, what you do. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. sets the mood for the whole thing. And then after that, totally. and how you end it too. I usually try to end strong, start strong, end strong. And in between, mm-hmm. people remember the start and, and end, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. so work, if you're going to work on anything, I guess, work on the beginning and, and the <laughs> finish strong. Now, yeah. I, I, have a, I have to ask, your English is, is perfect. I'm sure it's not your Thank first you. language, right? How did you learn uh, English? No, it's not.
1: Well, my first, my first language is, is obviously German. Um, I speak Hungarian as well and French. Oh, wow. But, because um, I have Hungarian roots, but that's a long story. But um, yeah, my English is, um, like I said, Steve is, is, is British. So I have uh, like one of my best friends and, and I talk to him in English, although he speaks German now. Uh, <laughs> as well as uh, yes. I was raised in Heidelberg. So that's in southern part of Germany. It used to be the, the, the NATO headquarters, uh, lots of military uh. people. And, um, I played a lot of basketball. I was always fascinated by, U S sports and, um, just the English language in general and, and the U S in general, to be, to be honest, I always wanted to move to the States when I was little. So I don't know, I, I just, just liked it. And, um, ever since starting to play basketball, I played a lot with Americans, I had to speak English, of course. Um never, never lived in the States or in the UK, to be honest, but um, since I have to speak a lot and also with with all the Adobe presentations and then later on with Apple as well as Wacom and Maxon, and I got involved with quite a lot of companies. Everyone speaks English, so I had to, I had to speak English. And, you know, of course, if you, if you speak a lot of English, you'll practice it and you'll get better at it. So that's, that's how I kind of picked it up.
0: Do you think you'll move to the United
1: States at one point? To be honest, I don't think so no i'm i I love going to the states um as a visitor um you know just just being there I really like the country it's beautiful um I've been on the east coast on the west coast but um, I have two kids and and uh you know we as a family we' we're, we're just pretty happy here and appreciate what we have as well as all the the friends and colleagues i'm I'm sharing a studio with and working with it's it's all set up here so I don't know i I really I really don't um think I'm going to move. Although I had a had an offer from Apple, if you believe it or not. Wow. Not too many people know about and you that. Take um it. Uh, no, I uh, five I mean I'm a huge Apple geek, I must say. <laughs> like still work on an old trash can Mac Pro um which is <laughs> giving me gray hair uh using Mac MacBook Pro as well. I do have a few PCs, but I'm I'm pretty pretty much into Apple and everything design-wise and and and, and stuff they do, but um yeah, so five years ago, I had a five and a half years ago, I had a call from from or an email from a headhunter from Apple directly. You first of all, it was like a scam, and then you know, got <laughs> called and they said like, well, we would like your work that you're doing. Um, it was funny because they they liked all the Wacom trailers that I was that was doing for Wacom back then. Oh, wow! Uh, you know, typical product trailers, white background, everything realistically rendered, and they said they liked that. And what they didn't know is that. I got inspiration from their commercials, but <laughs> Just, their yeah. commercials were filmed with real cameras. So I had to emulate that with CG doing it in Cinema 4D and After Effects. So that was kind of like a funny thing. And I said, yeah, transitioning from filming it to doing CG stuff. And, um, you know, if I want to work in the motion graphics team and the motion design team. So that was like a huge compliment, to be honest. I was like, oh, wow, Apple's asking me to work on their design team in Cupertino, but yeah, I was uh, I was talking to my to my girlfriend back then. And she was she was pregnant uh, with our first child then, and she was like, "Yes, we're going to California." And I was like, "Wait, wait, wait, hang on, hold your horses." <laughs> not sure if, uh, if 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 I want to do this because you know life is great here, business is doing great. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to give this up. So um, yeah, I decided not to do it, and um, I don't regret it. Sometimes when I see the cool work, I mean their motion graphic stuff, the the trailers are they're pretty 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 good. Sometimes I go like, oh man, I could have probably worked on that. But then again, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm happy with what I have. and right. Yeah.
0: Now, what is the key to your success? You're everywhere. I mean, you're being noticed by everyone. You must be doing something right. If, if you had to choose one thing, what is it?
1: Maybe it's being passionate about what I do. I think it's a, it's a privilege to be able to do what you love. My grandma, uh, and I know Steve Jobs said it as well, but, um, for sure my grandma said it way before Steve Jobs said it, she said, if you, if you do what you love, you don't have to work a single day. And that's true. And I knew that I wanted to, um, to always do something with being creative, you know, to draw or make pictures. And essentially I do the same right now. So not really draw that much as I, as I would love to, but, um, you know, basically just create and, um being in the situation to actually go to work and say like, oh man, I'm what can I what can I create today? And wow, that's nice to create. I mean it's not always like that. <laughs> there are days where you right. just go like, oh man. Oh, but uh, mostly days. like in the in an overall picture, I love what I do. And at the same time I, I, I try to stay humble and stay foolish and, and like <laughs> like a kid and, and be a little naive and right. still look at, at work that others are doing and well I people say you should not compare yourself but obviously you compare yourself by nature so you always see well at least it's for me like I see I see great work and I go like oh man I want to do stuff like that I'll, I'll be never able to do good stuff like that and and this is kind of like a motivation to to try harder and um, you know to do good work and in terms of of you know speaking out about things and and, and being in in public or in conferences or on podcasts and interviews and things like that i i try to be honest uh, in terms of, of of what i have to to say at first i always thought no one no one cares about what this guy from munich has to say but turns out there's a lot of people that um that actually are interested in that and 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 it made me think and i, I realized that i was i was the same kid that that now people are asking me like hey so how did you get started with this i was i was that same kid at age 20 wondering like how did this guy started to do demos and how, how did he create this special effect visual effect uh, animation whatever and so that's maybe why why people like hearing or, or seeing what I do and um, yeah I just just trying to be myself and down to earth and just share and and, and spread the love and give back because I was I was super lucky with with how things worked out um, being at the right time in the right moment in the right place and meeting the right people but i mean of course you always have to work hard for that but at the same time i'm kind of like if i see something or see someone i'm just you know I'm just just asking you know like hey um aren't you uh, this guy who did this that Blah 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 and usually it works <laughs> out i always say yeah. people if you go the official way of sending an email i mean thousands of people do that so you're just right. like one in a million but um if you just go out and just you know just, just speak to people just approach people yeah and this is how, how i met chris do you know i was i was talking to your brother sergey and then um funny yeah, enough podcast. i was like yeah exactly yeah i mean uh on your podcast as well as on chris like on, yeah. for example <laughs> that's true. It's like it's like he was just standing next to me like two meters or something and i was like hey, hang on hang on hang on sergey just i mean that i wanted to meet this guy i'm just gonna say hi so i, I tapped on his shoulder and it's like hey i'm robert i'm this guy from germany i I like your work so uh let's chat and and this is how this has always been in my life this is how i approached steve 20 years ago wow. um so you just asked in yeah yeah i was in new york for example in in 2003 for new year's and i just uh, wrote actually i i wrote emails um back then couldn't knock on the door really but i just sent out an email like cold call wise, like hey i'm this german student I'm in New York for a couple of days. I like your work. Can I see your design studio? That was, I think, PSYOP.
0: Mm. And
1: that was Eyeball, uh, New York City. And um, they said, yeah, just come by the studio. And, you know, let's have a chat. And yeah, that's wow. <laughs> that's how I do it. Like, nothing just to ask. lose. Whatever. Wow. That's yeah, so, I ask. mean,
0: simple advice would be just just ask. And it'll be given to you, I guess. But most people are scared to ask. <laughs> that's the unfortunate yeah. part. Yeah. And if you're brave enough and bold enough to pop in you know like you were at dotmax max you were just saying talking to Serge, and you saw chris do like hold on a second that five second rule don't hesitate just come up and mm-hmm. say something and i felt yeah. bad
1: towards Sergey because i was like oh man sorry but i just have like this is, the, oh, no. this is like a
0: chance <laughs> <laughs> no 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 worries i'm surprised that Sergey didn't even talk to chris Doe. i'm like dude we, we had him on the show you should have at least said hi to chris though he's like dude I was. So
1: <laughs> now he was facing our back so oh okay
0: so he didn't even see him because i was wondering I was no, like, no. didn't you see he was there uh, anyway, but let us I'm sure life hasn't always been perfect for you. I'm sure there are dark moments in your life like you shared with school, you struggle in school and how there are all these challenges that you had to overcome. So let's transition to something super dark. Share your worst moment in your creative journey.
1: My worst moment? I mean, it's not that long ago, to be honest. I thankfully didn't have too many dark moments in in my creative life. I mean, obviously everyone has those bad client feedbacks and Right. Projects that um, you know, don't turn out the way you want them or or get pulled. But one of the moments, one of the one of the things that really emotionally triggered a bad feeling for me was um I think um uh, maybe a year, a year and a half ago. So I'm a huge basketball fan, right? So for for the local basketball team, I always try to do like designs and motion graphics and try to push them to do better stuff than they actually have and i'm not offering work for free but i say like hey you know what let's let's just make a good deal i i'm just i just want to create i just want to do something else than this regular pack shot thing that i'm doing i don't know how many times a year so i just wanted to connect with with my passion sports which is basketball so i had this idea of of creating a vr film for for basketball and that was like three years ago i started i, I bought a couple of 360 cameras and the NBA had it already, but in Germany it was nowhere to be seen. So I kind of got inspired by what the NBA is doing. So I was like, "Hey, let me learn that." So I bought an Oculus, Oculus Rift to to try to to do 360 videos, and um, I had this huge idea of of how you could um, do like a feature in the game on different angles to see it in 360 or at least 180, and to be really really immersed in in a basketball game. So. I created like a like a little three-minute movie on my own costs. I basically got like a press pass to to film the game, which was super kind of the club. And then I, I pitched the idea to one of their sponsors, and um, they said like, "Well, yeah, it's not the right time to do that." And I said, "Yeah, okay, it's, you know, nothing to lose." Well, I learned a lot. I learned how to do three sixty movies, how to edit it in Premiere. That was even before it was part of premiere that was back with plugins and stuff so a year later they like hey so this year it would be nice are you still in for that i'm like yeah of course so hey maybe you can send us that 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 film you made and yeah of course yeah this is it and yeah yeah it would be nice to work together on this so i bounced back a few ideas what can be done what shouldn't be done you know mount, mount a camera on the head wouldn't be a good idea for 360 so i kind of gave advice and everything and then it was like yeah so let's film that game and i'm like okay so i'm ready and then i didn't hear for a couple of weeks and i'm like hey so what's going on and I'm like oh yeah we don't know if we are gonna do this or not and then so i'm sitting at the game because i had season tickets and um i see a bunch of vr cameras set up in in the stadium i'm like okay wow well, that's interesting hmm. <laughs> i didn't know about that and then um then i asked i asked the person's like so why when do i come into play <laughs> for this it's nice that you're starting with it so so when is my turn? And they're like, oh well, uh, I don't think you're gonna have your your turn. You know, it's like uh, now we're doing it with a different company. So Ouch. thanks, see ya. And and that was um, that was bad, man. I, I felt really um, mistreated. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't ask for anything before, and uh, you know, I just naively thought that hey, you know, they're gonna they're gonna work with you because you know I, I delivered like a like a like a demo on how things could be and yeah so uh yeah so that you was, pitched uh, it to mean, they ran was... somebody else yeah exactly yeah so that was uh that was a pretty bad experience luckily i don't have too many of those but uh that was something that um that hurt me quite a lot i must say i mean i took it very personal like personal although yeah. i shouldn't but you know since since like it's such a passion thing and i invested so much not that i regret investing it because I learned a lot but it was like the whole the whole wave I mean I wouldn't have a problem like saying like hey you know what we have this huge company that's done a million 360 things and we're gonna do, go with them like yeah fine That's just right. tell me up front and not like
0: find out from yeah, from the being in the stadium finding out that they're exactly yeah 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 so I felt betrayed now what what, uh, what did you learn from this experience what can you do in the future to prevent it from happening again
1: well I what can I learn I mean I don't I don't want to really change who I am or, or how I approach things obviously I'm more careful and maybe think twice before sending out something but I mean I've I went it went well for 20 years and um, I think all the long-term clients I'm working with they do appreciate uh, my honesty and my um, reliability in terms of delivering work and good work and um, being being honest um, and, and upfront to them so I think I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to change too much. I don't know if I would do the same thing. Maybe the one thing that I would take away is, you know, try to get rid of emotions in work. Uh, I'm a very emotional person. So I take things, They things get to me uh, quite quite easily. So I'm I'm just working on trying to get rid of this emotional part and just you work as work.
0: You know, I, I'm I'm the same way. It might be the the whole European thing. Maybe it's us Europeans are like that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I know somebody. I remember back in the day, Andriy Shevchenko was a soccer player in Ukraine, and he went to play in Italy, and uh, or England. I'm sorry. And the, the coach was complaining that Eastern Europeans are too sensitive. And uh, I'm an Eastern European, and I, I am a very sensitive person as well. And and so, but he was saying how people in the English Premier League are more tough skinned or something like that. So, but in a way you can use that to channel, to be more artistic. And so you're more sensitive to your art and you actually produce good work. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? Yeah, I agree. Now let's transition to something positive. Share your best moment in your creative journey. There's actually multiples. Um, Like probably the best
1: feeling I've had, and this is like way up there is during my uh, thesis project in in my last semester in design school so i always wanted to learn 3d right um 3d animation 3d modeling i i was good at after effects already by that time and I, i did have a cinema 4d license for for a couple of years but i didn't get started with it you know i was always like afraid of this huge unknown of 3d like oh my god you have to model you have to light you have to animate you have to render all texture and everything it's like Oh my God. And again, that was a time where there were no tutorials, nothing. So I was like, I always wanted to do like an animated film. I'm a huge Pixar fan, like all their animations, all the all the, the stories they tell, the, the way it looks, the way it's animated. It's it's um just a Star Wars. It's been like a huge inspiration. So I always wanted to do like a little short film, like your own little world, your own little story, your little character. And, and I knew, okay, in my last semester, if I'm not going to pull it off now, I probably will not have time when I start work because then I have to just, you know, work. So I got a couple of books like 20 or something about cinema 4D and how to do 3D stuff and a couple of books about films and movies and movie making, um, for animated films. And, um, and I created this little story and created characters. It was about the meat eating plant, like a Venus flytrap, if you want to say so. And, and two flies. So they're natural enemies, right? So the, the plant wants to eat the fly, the fly doesn't want to get eaten. So um, this was based around around this conflict, about around this, um, you know, two different characters. And so I created this meat-eating plant, this Venus flytrap and those flies, modeled it in, in Cinema 4D and a- animated it and composited it in After Effects. And, and I remember like the first, like a pencil test, like my first rendering, my first 10 seconds of animation or five seconds or whatever it was, seeing that come alive was like like a frankenstein moment you know like oh my god these are the characters you envisioned and they're moving and they're alive yeah, that's cool they're right there they are there they exist they are they're born you know it's like it was such a such a beautiful moment just to see something that you only envisioned um months before and now come to life and and move on screen and and that carried over to uh actually being able to fill a, a little cinema theater for the screening and the presentation of my wow. my uh thesis awesome. so it was about 150 uh, seats I th- if i think i gave a little uh, presentation making off um after after showing the short and people were clapping i was crying i was i was so moved i mean it was like the the <laughs> it was such a beautiful moment like my family was there everyone was there seeing that and um that was that was a feeling that um that wasn't topped uh, until uh, i mean yeah it wasn't tapped still to this day <laughs> um something that is close is, is other little projects you know that you can that you pull off that are super difficult because i don't know either budgets were low or the time was crazy or something went wrong but uh yeah and you overcome these hurdles to um, to make it and and then just recently you know what what happened with all the the talks the events and the, the interviews that i gave the, the outpouring of appreciation and love and encouragement that i get from all over the world is is pretty close to that thesis feeling you know like people saying they like the work and they like to hear more and see more it's whereas i was like yeah i don't know if really people do care or not and getting all those messages um because you know i I figured that what we do is kind of has a short half-life. I I love my work and I love doing what I do, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not saving lives or anything. You know, I'm not a doctor or, or doing something hugely important in life. So I try to have this healthy, not negative, but like see work as work, love what I do, but at the same time, realize it's just work. You know what I mean? It's kind of like finding a balance between going overly crazy about your work and at the same time, take it seriously. You know, it's, you can't have like, I don't care attitude at your work, but at the same time you have to have like a, like a healthy understanding of what it is. You know, no one's going to bother about that pack shot, about that car commercial or whatever in a year time, you know, so doing something that has a bigger impact on people, on, I don't know, the environment on, on something. That's, that's why for one, I, I decided last year to do more with you know, with charities, for for example, you know, to do work that that matters more. So there's two charities I'm I'm trying to work with next year uh, to do stuff. I teach at universities. I will go out to, you know, to talk about things and maybe pave the way for for the new generation, just as my way was was paved. And and having people come back to you and saying like, oh, well, thank you. This this changed my life. I mean, I had I had people write me from Nigeria, from from Germany, from from the UK, from the States, from Brazil saying like, hey, you know, I'm a young designer and and what you you did, what you said, what you showed inspired me to do this or that. I mean, that is way more important than this beautiful rendering with chromatic aberration and Mm -hmm. lens flares, you know?
0: Right. No, and it is life-changing. The stuff that you do is life-changing because it's kind of like, remember when you were talking about Michael Jordan, how that inspired you to do all these different things and because of Michael Jordan, somebody who's not a doctor, who can't really save a life, but in reality, he helped you to, overcome certain things and same thing you know we get emails here for example someone reached out and they were thanking sergey because of him they now have a job that they can provide for their family Mm -hmm. and this so it is life-changing right so because of what you do yeah what you do the stuff you showed you inspired somebody to become valuable to the marketplace and because of that now they can provide for their family and can give dreams Mm -hmm. to their i mean it's it's a ripple effect that i'm sure i mean you probably don't even know the full extent you're just getting little glimpses with the emails that you're getting right now but I mm-hmm. bet you you've probably impacted quite a few people. Now, what's coming up for you? Where are you going next? Are you going to stay in Munich for a while? Well, yeah, I
1: mean, that's that's the plan for now. Um obviously, I mean, I can I can work from wherever I want to, but uh generally speaking, I'm I feel very comfortable here. Um we raise our two kids here. They they feel happy here. We have the mountains close by. You know, we have friends here. Um I'm sharing a wonderful studio with four wonderful friends. And good artists um, that are way better in, in Cinema 4D than I am, for example. Mm-hmm. So we can collaborate if we if we are hitting a dead end. then you know, we can always help each other out. I can help them out with After Effects stuff. They can help with Cinema 4D stuff. We can collaborate. Sometimes we work alone. So it's a, it's a really wonderful, dynamic uh, situation I'm in. So for next year, I'm, I'm planning to do more in terms of... Um, I, I, I like to build my YouTube channel a bit more um, to do a couple of videos... Uh, a couple of tutorials, minute tips and tricks, tell a bit about my story, show some of my older work maybe, um maybe take on a few few young young guns um that need help mentoring or internships. I don't know. I mean, I'm still building that, but uh yeah, a couple of couple of months have been really um eye opening. Not in terms of I didn't know or like I didn't realize it before, but it was just kind of like in your face like hang on, do you realize what's what's there. And, um, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, that's, that's what I'm planning to do. Of course still do creative work, but maybe be a bit more selective. Um, at the same time, build my own, my own stuff out and, and help each other and uh, help other people.
0: Are you booked for any conferences in your future?
1: Not directly. No, I don't have any written bookings, but, uh, I guess this, the, the usual ones are going to come up hopefully. I definitely want to go to NAB and maybe SIGGRAPH. So I'll have to talk to to a few folks to be there to present. That would be nice. Um hope to see you guys there as well. Yeah. Definitely. So uh yeah, that's that's definitely on my on my watch and to-do list um for next year.
0: Sounds good. And last question, man, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Well, I can they can um shoot me an email at uh at robert at or they can um they can write me on, on Instagram or, or visit my website or on Facebook or YouTube channel. Generally, any means necessary in my, my Instagram is HR Animator. So Ranitsky Robert Animator. And um the the Twitter one is Ranimation. So HR Animation and um, on Facebook it's Ranitsky Design. So yeah, these are probably the easiest ones. And um, maybe you can share the the links in the podcast I'll it, description or
0: all right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it on social media. I'd also be very grateful if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Eucharmedia Podcast on iTunes. That all helps a lot in ranking the show, and it would be greatly appreciated. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email me at vladimir at And as always, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to eukamedia.com slash community. We have well over 2,500 talented people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow. And it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Eukamedia podcast. Bye-bye.